something great about the day here. It's wonderful weather for a Sunday afternoon, swelling the crowd even further. And as mentioned, it's by no means one way here the support. Benfica have a tremendous following. I think that surprises many of us who visit every year for the International Champions Cup actually just how well supported they are across the United States. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 50 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho, and it has been a little while since we've talked, hasn't it been? It's been a little while since we've caught up. Um, a couple games to talk about in this episode, and we've got the Taça de Portugal going on as I speak right now, sitting here on my lunch break here at my job. Had to make the decision between sitting at my desk watching the Tasa game or actually finally getting some recording done and getting this episode going. Lots going on in Benfica Nation right now. We are just a few days away from the Clásico at the Estadio do Ladrão as Benfica head in to Porto to take on Porto with a seven point lead in the standings, a chance to really cement our leadership and really, really put the rest of the league season in our own control. Um, of course, that will be at the end of the episode. We'll have a quick little preview, but I am also going to be writing up a preview on the blog this week. You've noticed there hasn't been much activity either on the podcast or the blog recently. I've got a lot going on. Um, I fully intended to write and to to write a blog post after the Pasfajeda game, previewing the, the B-Sad game. That didn't happen. Things things came up and I couldn't get to that. And also, in regard to the Pasfajeda game, um, my intention was to also record a blog. But, um, of course, the tragic events that, that afternoon, learning of the the death of Kobe Bryant, the, the famous NBA basketball player, his young daughter, and six others aboard a helicopter, um, it, that really shook me, um, not because, not because Kobe Bryant's a celebrity or because, because a professional athlete's life is worth more than anyone else's, but because he was just a dad taking his daughter to basketball and his daughter's teammates and their parents to basketball, doing dad things, you know, sure it was in a helicopter, most of us don't have that luxury, but we all, you know, we all take our loved ones to events in cars or however we tra we travel, Ubers, you know, however it is that we, we take our loved ones to their events and especially those of us that are parents, it, it really shook me, um, especially when, when the news came out that his young 13-year-old daughter was on that helicopter with him and um, it really, really shook me and really I was not, I did not feel like I didn't feel like recording a podcast there for about a week. It just it wasn't in me. And um, Kobe Bryant, of course, was a maybe the greatest basketball player, at least post-Jordan. And you guys know, uh, I've talked about before, how I do like basketball. And uh, you probably know by now or have figured out that I'm a Boston Celtics fan. So the Lakers are naturally our rivals, but... Um, I think the lasting impression of Kobe Bryant for me is how much I respected a rival player. And, uh, you know, I, I think I put this on Twitter back when it happened. I said that, you know, that fourth quarter in the 2011 Finals, Game 7, when he just took his team on his back and, and he just absolutely sunk my Celtics in that fourth quarter. We should have won that game. Boston Celtics should have won the 2011 NBA championship. There's no question about it with or without Kendrick Perkins. That game was, was winnable, but but Kobe Bryant had, had other things in mind. And, you know, that single performance is the best athletic performance I've ever seen from a professional athlete in a team sport in my life. And, um... You know, like I said, I was left really shook with, with that news. And I really, I for a while there, I, I lost the desire to, to talk about soccer, to talk about football, talk about sports. As, uh, you know, things just, I guess I put some things in perspective. 
And I chose instead to spend some extra time with my son. My four-year-old son now turned four years old. Happy birthday, Romero. Papaya loves you. Um, he turned four years old, ironically, on the day that Kobe Bryant died. Um, so his birthday will forever be linked with that accident. But um, And then I just I haven't had a chance following the, the Blinish South Dakota City match to really get anything going. My workflow has absolutely picked up again. And um, it's been frustrating. Um, this time has become harder to come by. But here we are with episode 50. A little bit late, but better late than never, like I say. And um, we're going to quickly run through these two matches. The win over Pasfajeda on the road, 2-0. And the home 3-2 victory over Code City Blues, a.k.a. Blinish Sad. And uh, like I said, as we speak, uh, Benfica are playing right now against Famalicão in the Taça de Portugal. Um, I will do a separate episode once the two legs are complete. I'll review the two legs together in one episode. So after this episode, episode 51 will be a review against Porto, of course, of the, the Clásico coming up this upcoming weekend. All right, in the news, we got a few things to talk about, and then we will get in to... Um, we will get into uh, Passos Ferreira nil, Befica 2, all right, after the news and after Reconquista. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. This is Mr. Benfica. You can find me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. On Instagram at Mr. Benfica. On Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. And now at my very own site, MrBenfica.com. You can also uh, find some exclusive content there, some blog uh, content there. As I ha- There's not much there yet, but as I will continue to build on that. And if you want to email me, you can also email me as I've set up a show email now, and it is the Mr. Benfica, T-H-E-M-I-S-T-E-R-B-E-N-F-I-C-A at gmail.com. That's the Mr. Benfica at gmail.com. If you want to email me any questions or any feedback, please uh, feel free. I do welcome all all feedback. All right. Um, we'll be right back with the news on the other side. Jornada sofrida, a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Quem não vive por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Não o carregas sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que eu não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo and in the news this week, Benfica Nation, we start off with transfer news again, and it is Brazilian-born Portuguese international Diego Souza has joined Benfica on loan from Chinese club Shenzhen until the end of the calendar year 2020. So he will be with us until 
next January. That's when he's scheduled to return to Shenzhen or perhaps a permanent deal will be worked out at that time. Uh, Diego Souza, of course, former Braga striker, um, 30 years old, Brazilian-born, Portugal international. Um, he clearly takes the space left by RDT as he has moved on to Espanyol, as we already know. Um, is there to provide competition with Seferovic and with Carlos Vinicius at the striker position. Also, Benfica, continue, or I should say, continuing in transfer news. Benfica and Brazilian club Corinthians have agreed to a 20 million euro plus objectives price tag for the services of the Brazilian midfielder Pedrinho. The 21-year-old will stay at Corinthians until the end of until July, when he will then join Benfica for the preseason for next season for 2020-2021. This is a very good signing, in my opinion, for Benfica. Um, not as known, perhaps, to most of you, but um, anyone watching the Brasileirão has seen this, this player play, and he is highly rated. He's 21 years old, and I've spoken to a few Corinthian supporters, and they're very high on this guy, and... Um, some people are, are a little skeptical of the 20 million euro price tag, but I'm pretty confident that within a couple of seasons, he will be worth three times, uh, that price tag. Uh, longtime Benfica midfielder Feja has joined Spanish club Alaves on loan, and Feja known mostly for his record of being champion I believe 11 times in 12 professional seasons he's been champion if Benfica go on to win the title this year that streak will continue as he has played in the Liga Nage this season so he would qualify as a champion and qualify for a medal which would keep that streak going despite the fact that he's going off on loan to Alaves um, however he has he has seen very little playing time and is kind of in the twilight of his career and really needs to play so uh, this is a good move, I think, for all involved. It's good for Benfica to be able to to get their veteran some quality playing time. It's good for the player, obviously, and Alaves, I believe, can take the help. Um, also, some news coming out of the football department is youth team central defender Moratu has been registered with UEFA and will be eligible for the Europa League, for the knockout stage of the Europa League. Also, Julian Weigel has also been registered, as has um, as has Diego Souza. So, Benfica has registered some, some new additions to the team, as you know, some players have left in this transfer window. Women's football now, and the women's football team have advanced in the Portuguese Cup, winning 5-0 away to Torreense in the cup and they also then picked up three crucial points this past weekend in the league cup winning on the road at the Primeiro de Maio winning 3 to 1 at Braga leaving the Aguiage one win away from the final goals in the Braga match scored by Darlene Pauleta and Chloe Lacasse the final group match is scheduled for the 29th of February it'll be at home versus our neighborhood rivals Fofo, also known as as Football Club Benfica or Club Football Benfica. Um, before that match, however, the the girls will have Istoril in the league this weekend, and then a Portuguese Cup tie with Amora, followed by the crucial derby on the road at Sporting in the league. Those matches are all coming up this February, and I believe the match with Sporting will be at Alcochete. I don't believe it's going to be at Alvalade. I don't, um, but I will definitely keep you posted in the coming weeks in regard to that. And sticking with women's sports, women's futsal begins the second stage of the league by routing rivals Sporting in the derby. It was 7-1 to for the Lady Aguiers in the derby. Women's hockey beats Club Recreativo. Sorry, Club Recreativo de Zantes, 28-0 in round 17 of their national championship, extending their unbeaten streak to well over 200. And I know I gave the exact number um, either in the last episode or the one before that. I mean, it's 200 and, I don't know, 60 or something like that. Straight domestic victories for the ladies' hockey team. Women's handball wins 35-18 over... Over Asso 
also ma Mather, I believe is, uh, my handwriting's horrible on that one, but another win for Benfica's women's handball team, while men's volleyball continues to win domestically in straight sets, seems they always win in straight sets, this one over Ginastica, 11-25, 15-25, and 19-25 on the road. Earlier in the week, however, they were beaten in Poland by Warsaw in straight sets, 3-0, um, by scores of 25-21, 25-13, and 25-22 in match day four action of the CEV Champions League. Men's handball returns to action after stopping for the European Championships in which Portugal was one of the stories of the competition, um, finishing in the best, uh, best ever finish of sixth place and qualifying for a pre-Olympic tournament which could land Portugal's handball team in the Olympic Games later this year in Tokyo and that would be huge because if you watch the Olympic Games Portugal's contingent is usually quite small if they can qualify an entire team now remember the football team will not be there as they did not qualify through last year's Euro U21 championships um this could really like quadruple the amount of athletes Portugal sends to the Olympics, so hopefully that will come true there, and hopefully Portugal's handball team will find their way into the Olympic Games, but with that, the the league and the, the cup came to a standstill during that European handball championship, so they're back in action, starting off uh, for Benfica with a win over ABC Braga, 15-26 on the road in the round of 32 in the Portuguese Cup, and then this past weekend, a win 38-31 in a battle between uh, third and fourth place over Bulanish, not Bulanish, uh, the real Bulanish in league action. Men's hockey victorious over the weekend, also 7-3 over Fisica in round uh, 15 of the league. And men's basketball loses back-to-back -back games for the first time this season, first losing a tough one in the FIBA Europe Cup at home to, to German side Mady Beirut, 91-77, and following that up this past Saturday with an 81-75 loss to Sporting at the Pavilion João Rocha in Lisbon Sporting's um, Pavilion Sporting's uh, Arena, and um, that was in the LPB, which dropped Benfica from first to second place in the league now as Sporting leapfrogs us into first place. However, it's still early. There's much basketball left to be played and a whole playoff to go through. Uh, next up, though, for the Hoopsters will be Wednesday tomorrow. It's a winner-take-all matchup in Denmark against Bakken Bears. The winner will advance to the quarterfinals of the FIBA Europe Cup. Um, Bakken Bears, of course, are the Danish champions. Befico were victorious in the home game against them earlier this winter. And now... The two teams are both three and two going into this match in the group in the final group phase. Winner takes all. Like I said, um, it, the the game will be played in in Denmark, and Benfica can really make some history if they can get themselves into the quarterfinals of this competition. And we're gonna go back to men's football to finish out the news this week. It is the B team, Benfica B, beaten Vila Franquense four and nil. That is the news for this week. Alright, so on the other side, we are going to get right into Passos de Ferreira versus Benfica in the Liga Nage. This is Mr. Benfica and I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. Ferreira no seu bloco de notas. É livre então a pronunciar a equipa do Benfica. Pode bater agora a Gabriel. A bola metida para Veigl. Recebe com o pé esquerdo. Depois entrega na direção de Ruben Dias. Vai já para Rafa. Zona central. Encontrou o espaço. Vai rematar. Golo!
welcome back to Mr. Benfica. Let's go back in time now. It is Sunday, January 26th. We are in northern Portugal in the city of Passos de Ferreira, the furniture capital of Portugal, the Capital do Móvel, and the stadium aptly named Estádio Capital do Móvel. The sold-out attendance is 9,146. And the starting lineup, starting with the home side in a 4-5-1. Ribeiro is the goalie. The right back is Jorge Silva. Mikael and Baixinho are the center backs with Oleg playing as the left back. Five in midfield with Pedrinho, Istakio and Diaby playing in the middle. Elder down the right and Adriano down the left. Douglas Tanke is the striker. Benfica in their 4-4-2 as usual. With one change in the lineup, as uh, Odie starts in goal, Andre Almeida, Ruben Dias, Ferro, and Grimaldo across the back. Midfield unchanged, Cervi on the left, Gabriel and Weigel in the middle with Pizzi down the right. And the one change is Rafa re-enters uh, re the starting lineup, returns to the starting lineup. Rafa Silva in place of Chiquinho, and he partners with Carlos Vinicius, my cousin Vinny. And... The story of this match, really, as we go through this quite quickly tonight, uh, begins in minute 16, and it is Rafa with the ball making a nice pass for Carlos Vinicius. Vinicius then plays it across the face of goal to the far post where Pizzi is running on, and Pizzi buries it into the into the goal as the Befica fans go crazy in Passos Ferreira. A very, very um, dominant um a very one-sided, dominant pro-Befica crowd there in northern Portugal, as has become the case in most places in Portugal. Um, goes crazy, but the referee originally giving the goal, it goes to the VAR, and, and very scandalously and suspiciously, the VAR gives an offside. And this, this is where I really get ticked off, okay? They draw a line on the first pass. It's the pass from from Rafa to Carlos Vinicius, okay? And first of all, they freeze the frame after the ball has left Rafa's foot, okay? They freeze the frame at the wrong spot and then draw a line. A line that, you know, is wider than <laughs> wider than, you know, the player's feet. It's about the length of three of the players' feet, the length uh, or the width of the of the line that that the TV broadcaster, I guess in this case Sportiv or Naj, um, puts on the screen, claiming that Vinicius is offside by a mere five centimeters. Now, in proportion to the image we are looking at, that line is much more than five centimeters. How could he be five centimeters offside? To the eye, at live play, even when you freeze it, if you freeze it at the right moment, the player is even, okay? There is no way that this technology is, is advanced enough or accurate enough to measure out five centimeters. Worst of all, we don't see the five centimeters or the stop frame until much, much later. It takes much, much longer for them to come up with that image. Probably because someone back there, someone in that truck is creating it. That's why. This was not an image created by the software. There is no way that the, that Carlos Vinicius is 5 centimeters offside on this play. This is an abuse of VAR once again. And this is what we got to look forward to through the rest of the season. Okay. We have VAR taking goals from Benfica. We have, you know, VAR not taking goals away from other teams, okay? The check when, when certain other teams get a goal or when certain other teams are looking for a call is, is much, much quicker when it involves Benfica and Benfica have scored and it involves perhaps taking a goal from Benfica or preventing a penalty for Benfica. The, these VAR checks take forever. Okay, they take absolutely forever, and these referees are looking and looking and looking, looking for any reason to take points from Benfica because they want this competition and this league to stay close. It's very, very obvious, and I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist here, but it is so obvious 
that this is what is going on, and only a blind man, a blind person, is gonna deny this. So in this one, a VAR robbery at the 16th minute, calling it five centimeters offside. Um, however, in the 39th minute, Rafa would score a highlight reel of a goal of his own, as he would make his run into space, fake with the right foot, cut it onto his left, and bury it past Ribeiro, and Benfica would go ahead a goal to nil in the 39th and go into the halftime with that one goal lead. They would come out in the second half and you would see Carlos Vinicius doubling the lead shortly after halftime as Benfica come out ready to put an end to this match and Benfica would go on and win this match 2-0. Let's go through some statistics. I know this isn't much of a much of a analysis, but I'm just bringing everybody back up to speed to where we stand right now um, with this team. All right. Um, final score, like we said, Pasfajeda nil, Benfica two. Uh, very good game for Julian Weigel, and I think he was he was phenomenal once again, and even better than usual as he's starting to settle in and starting to get better and more comfortable with his teammates, and you see that in the way that the people around him play, okay? Gabriel, much more the Gabriel we saw last year than we've seen all season. No question, this is the best partner for Gabriel in midfield, and Chervi continues to to earn his, his spot, continues to show that he deserves the spot he's got, and it's going to be very hard for anyone to take that spot away from from Franco Cervi at this moment. As we also had a good game from from Pizzi again. Pizzi actually selected as the man of the match in this one. And also a good return for Rafa. So Benfica starting to, to catch some fire. This was a, a game that maybe they didn't, you know, they didn't blow the lights out and they didn't, you know, turn heads with this performance, but Benfica was always in control of this match, always had the three points at hand, and Benfica sees out a result. Like I said, let's go to the statistics. Um, in shots, Passos Ferreira 11, Benfica 17. Uh, shots on goal, 2 to Passos Ferreira, 6 to Benfica. Shots from inside the area, Passos Ferreira 6, Benfica 16. Total passes, Passos 416 to Benfica's 452 efficiency rate 78.1% for Passos 80.1% for Benfica and the efficiency in the vertical pass 58.4% for Passos 62.3% to Benfica and we got possession Benfica 52% to Passos 48% offsides 4 to Benfica 1 to Passos Fouls committed, Benfica 14, Passos 17, duels won, Benfica wins this very important statistic, 70 duels won by Benfica to Passos 59, Benfica with 7 corners to Passos 6, and total crosses was actually won by Passos who lobbed and swung a lot of long crosses into the box. Odie had himself a, a, a good match as he get another clean sheet, and I can't stress how important clean sheets are. Um, for this team and in this in this league as we continue to roll through. And we'll go through the goal point ratings now before we move on to the next match. Um, we've got Ribeiro with a 6.5. George Silva's a 5.8. Andre Mikael, 4.9. Baixinho, 5.5. Oleg, 4.9. Adriano, 4.9. Ishtakiu, Canadian international or soon-to-be Canadian international, 4.7. Pedrinho 5.7, Diaby 5.2, Elder 5.2, and Douglas Tanke a 4.3. Not a good uh, showing for the striker. And as far as their substitutions, Murilo with a 5.4 and Amaral with a 5.2. Benfica, um, their ratings, Odi 6.0 in goal, Andre Almeida is a 5.5, Ruben Dias 6.4, Fehu with a 6.4, Grimaldo 6.6 down the left side, Rafa with a goal and a 7.4 rating, Weigel here a 6.5, again what he does does not reflect in statistics, um, although we'll get to it a little bit later, 
um, in the next in the next segment when we talk about the Belinish Saad match with a ridiculous stat that Weigel, Weigel I should say did pull out in that match um, as he he really is I think a key guy going forward and a little spoiler alert as we sit here now um, and with the Fumbly Cone semi-final ongoing I will let you know, even though that's not the the focus for this match, for this for this episode, excuse me. Um, Vigel misses this this uh, semifinal first leg against Family Cone to a respiratory uh, infection, and his for me his absence quickly being felt and being noticed um, in the Benfica eleven. Gabriel earns a six point oh charity five point one. Carlos Vinicius with a goal and a 6.8. And the man of the match, according to goal point, is Beasy with a 7.8. Of course, having a goal stolen from him by the VAR official. Terapt off the bench earned a 5.5. While Seferovic and Jota would come on but not be on the field or the pitch long enough to earn a rating. So Benfica will win that match and take three more points. As that will take us into a midweek fixture. And like I said, the takeaways in this match. Um, good performance again by the midfield duo, Weigel and Gabriel. Um, also good wing play by both by both Charity and by Pizzi. And again, Rafa being injected back into the lineup gives Befica a sense of danger going forward. That was a missing. Not that Chiquinho... Um, not that Chiquinho doesn't bring his own qualities to the match, but it is a change in, in in look for Benfica. It does put the defense a little bit more on their heels, and you can see the concern that teams have when when Rafa takes the pitch. All right, we're gonna close the book now on this matchup. This was round 18 of the Liga Nosh. And um, after this short break, we will go to round 19 as Befica midweek fixture. Oh, I shouldn't say midweek. It was actually a Friday night fixture hosting Bulanish Sad at the Stadio de Luz. We'll be right back on Mr. Befica here on the PTV Soccer Network. Mr. Benfica, and we now move to January the 31st, Friday night, January the 31st. We're at the Stadio de Luz, as you are riding along with me on my ride home from work tonight. Um, spoiler alert, Benfica have won in the in the Taça de Portugal, the Portuguese Cup semifinal first leg, 3-2 to two earlier tonight, as um, that'll be something to talk about in, in in the future, we won't talk about it today, but just as uh, an update, I suppose. Um, by the time you hear this, you will obviously know that. But um, again, talk about um, the difference I think Julian Weigel makes. And there was a stat for this this match against Bolognese that Goal Point tweeted out. And, I, and I, I saved the image. It was something like 90 passes that he completed in this match. Failed three. I mean, he completed a, an absurd amount of passes. Majority of them were, contrary to popular belief, majority of them were forward passes. They were not back passes. They were forward. Um, some were lateral, but most were at least slightly forward. And I mean, this this match here against Bolognese, he was he was phenomenal. And Befica struggled at times in this match. I think they got overconfident. Perhaps looking ahead to the Dragão a little bit, looking ahead to the Clásico, or perhaps looking ahead to the the, the Portuguese Cup semifinal. Um, as Befica begins a really, really tough, tough uh, stretch of matches 
here in the month of February. It's going to be a brutal month, and this is going to be the ultimate test for Benfica this season, I believe. If we come through this month in good in good shape, I think I think um, it will be a good ride into the spring from here. Um, Benfica now playing uh, playing like we said earlier today against uh, against Famalicão this upcoming Sunday. Or this upcoming Saturday is the Clásico against against Football Club Porto, and then we've got we've got the second leg against against Famalicão next week midweek, followed by a home game against the most informed side in the league, Sporting Braga, coached by Ruben Amorim, and then we got Shakhtar in the Europa League on the other side of that, so this is really a test, this 28, or in this year, 29 day month, poses us with 7 matches, so let's go to the match with Bulanish, Saad, Bisad, Code City, whatever you want to call them, and let's look at the lineups, starting with Bulanish, Saad, the goalkeeper is Andrea Moreira, former Benfica target, uh, on loan from Atletico Madrid, if I am not mistaken. The right, uh, we got in the back, we've got Gonzalo, we've got Nunquayu, and we've got, please excuse me while I, I am driving here and trying to recall this from memory, and we've got Prima. The wingbacks are Thiago Jgayu and... Nilton Varela in midfield. We've got Show, Andres Santos, Lika, Silvestre Varela, and up front we have we have Cassiera. And I do apologize for any mispronunciations. Like I said, I am currently driving home right now, so. Uh, you know, I'm only glancing at the names of Benfica. I remember this lineup. It was a 4-4-2 as Benfica would line up with Odie in goal. The right back was Andre Almeida. The center back pairing as usual, Ruben Dias and Ferro, who had himself a, a tough night. And Grimaldo was the left back. Midfield tandem, we had a change as Tarap was in, replacing Grimaldo as the Luzo Brazilian was given the match off by manager Bruno Leish. Um, Julian Weigel was in there with him, and Pizzi and Cherfi make out the outside midfielders with Carlos Vinicius starting with Rafa up front in the attack. And we got not a great game from Rafa, who had been very good in the previous game and who had come off the bench two weeks earlier in the derby to really, really make a difference uh, and score two goals to bury Sporting. But Befica started well as Tarap brought a good level. I mean, he he's on another level. And I think the biggest thing, or one of the biggest things, with this vital signing is now you have Gabriel and Tarap uh, in competition for playing time. Healthy competition, in my opinion. And now what's happening is as you as you get as you get an opportunity the way that Tarapta has got here in this match against uh, against Bilinez Saad he knew he could not squander this opportunity because you don't know when you're going to get another one to play and you always obviously want to make a claim for more playing time and you want to put your teammate who you share a position with and compete with for a position on notice and Tarapta had himself a very very good match um, one of the best perhaps his best match in a Befica kit in, in his long now Befica career of ups and downs and just a long story that is Adel Tarap with Befica and I know a lot of you are very happy to see him in the, in the lineup a lot of you are very very high on Adel Tarap um, and I think he made you guys all proud in this game as uh, he would partner with with Weigel very nicely and just like and I think this is true just like with with Gabriel when he is in that spot, Tarabt can be much more the he can play much more to his potential when he's partnered with Weigel. And you're seeing you're seeing the value in Uli and Weigel here as both both Gabriel and Tarabt 
are much better paired up with him than they are with each other, for example. Um, both of them have the qualities, the much better qualities, to play in front of a true holding midfielder versus having, you know, either to share the role uh, as a six and a half or having to sit back and play that number six role the way, uh, the way more so Gabriel had to do in the time that the two of them were partnering. And the, the start of the match, or I should say the, the scoring would start off, and it would be here in the 31st minute as Carlos Vinicius gets an opportunity. He hits the ball, he gets a header, and he puts it off the bar and is able to run all the way across the penalty area, run down his own rebound, take it off the foot of the defender who's, who hesitated to get the ball clear. And Carlos Vinicius will then bury the ball past the goalkeeper, and Benfica will take a lead in the first half. And some major, um, you know, alleviate a lot of pressure alleviated from that goal by Carlos Vinicius. As these are always nervous games, I always get worried about what we call these trap matches uh, right before a big one, and knowing that. Benfica were playing before Porto and having the chance to make that lead 10 points again and forcing Porto and putting the pressure on them in their later match to have to pull out a result. Benfica did that and they started well with by picking up this goal uh, in the 31st minute, I believe. Yeah, the 31st minute. Seven minutes later, it's, um, it's Adel Tarapt with his first, first career Benfica goal and it is well celebrated, long time coming, um, as he gets on the end of a cross and he just buries it. Uh, top, top shelf, over the goalie, under the bar. But if he could go ahead 2-0 and go into the halftime locker room or into the team room ahead 2-0. And we're thinking to ourselves, you know, this is a second half team. Lige always has this team coming out, firing in the second half. Um, we're thinking that this can go into cruise control and we can look forward to to the cup and to Porto. But unfortunately, another tough um, performance from Ferro, who's really, really struggling right now. I know he's. we've been told he's carrying a knock, but... And really, Benfica don't have much in the way of a, of a real valid replacement for him. I don't think Jardel is up to par at this point. A player like Jardel needs to play a lot before they're in the form where they're where we need a center back to be in this team. And on this play here in the second half, it is in the 70th minute and the ball comes across the area. And at the time the goal was given to Likaba, replay shows that it comes off of Ferru's shin. And Ferru, the center back, puts the ball into his own goal, reducing Benfica's lead to 2-1 to one, and bringing in some real nervousness to uh, the Benfica nation, bringing in nervousness into the Stadio Luz, the small crowd at the Stadio Luz, I have to admit. Smallest or second smallest crowd of the year announced at 45,134. Um, you could feel the nervousness, and again, I'm watching this match at my office, I'm watching it on my screen, you know, while nobody's looking, hopefully. Trying to look busy while really I'm watching Benfica play. This has become, I hope nobody, uh, <laughs> hope none of my bosses ever listen to this show because this is becoming a habit for me. And um, Benfica's lead reduced to 2-1. to one, And we do see Gabriel come on as a substitute uh, later on in this match. And... Where, although it brings in some nervousness and some anxiety regarding uh, the the remaining 20 minutes of the match, Benfica really were never threatened. Well, I should say, Bulinish Sad Coke City never really threatened to tie the match. Benfica regained control quickly, and in the 78th minute, off the bench, it is Chiquinho, the recently dropped. Uh, dropped from the starting line of Portuguese attacking midfielders, hold, uh, supporting forward, comes on for Rafa. And he does find the back of the net, 
as he dribbles the goalkeeper and slots the ball into the empty goal. And again, another, you know, alleviating more pressure, another another relief from Benfica. And for the, for the 45,000 in attendance, as if you can now take the lead 3-1 with 10 minutes to play, thinking we're going to see this out again. And again, Benfica drop their rhythm. They tr I think they retreat too far back in the pitch. Okay, they they set up too deep in their own in their own end. I talk every every single episode about the importance in territory. And for some reason, Benfica twice in this game get a two-goal lead. Twice they cede territory to the opposition. Rather than just controlling the territory and not not running themselves into the ground chasing after the ball, not running themselves into the ground trying to possess the ball and, and, and string together 80 passes, they cede territory and they allow Bulanis to get hope again and to get in. And I mean, another play that falls from nowhere. Um, and once again, we got to talk about VAR because uh, a penalty kick is given by the referee. And I've heard from people in the stadium saying it. In the stadium, when it was live, it looked like it was it was the right call. Of course, after seeing a a replay, it's clear that Rafa foul the foul occurs outside the box and um, outside the penalty area, as the referee points to the spot. How is it that when Befica score a goal or given a penalty kick, how is it that? Four, five, six, seven, eight minutes are run off the clock while these referees just dissect the play in VAR and just to make sure that it's a penalty kick, just to make sure that they got it right, uh, just in case they can take it back from Befica. They search and they search. On this play, somehow the VAR misses completely that the foul occurs outside the area. There's absolutely no foul inside the penalty area. Uh, either way, Lika steps up and he scores the penalty kick. It's 3-2, to two, and fortunately, Befica see the results out. They hold on to the three points, keeping themselves at the, well, keeping themselves with the, the same cushion at the top of the table. Porto would go on to win. They would, uh, they would pick up three points in Stuval, and the lead remains seven points for Befica at the top of the table as the next league match now is the Clásico in the Stadio Duladrão. Befica go there with an unprecedented seven-point lead. I can't remember the last time Befica took a seven-point lead into the Ladrão. Um, and as we look here at some of the goal point, we'll start with the ratings for the visiting, or not, yeah, for the visiting Bulanis, Saad, Andrea Moreira in goal of 5.2. Tiago Jgayu, 5.6. Gonçalo, 5.7. André Santos, 3.8. Nuno Coelho, 5.3. Show with a 5.1. Chima, 5.7. Nilton Vla, 5.6. His uncle, Silvestre Varela, 5.0. That's right. If you remember Silvestre Varela, the former Porto and Sporting player. He is now playing with his nephew Nilton Varela at Bolinisad. A very rare, uh, a very rare occurrence. And earlier in the season, I think a week back, it was the unprecedented feat of both uncle and nephew scoring for Bolinisad, both Sylvester and Nilton Varela. Uh, pretty cool, pretty cool little uh, uh, footnote there. And Lika was given a 5.8 with a goal. And Casiera is the name of the forward. 4.9 as far as the substitutes for Bulanish Saad. Nuno, Nuno Matias would have a 5.2. And Fete 5.2 as well. Shanu not uh, on the pitch long enough to earn a rating. We look at Benfica now in gold. Blacodimus 5.8. Uh, Andre Almeida 6.1, Ruben Diaz 6.0, Ferru 5.4 despite uh, the own goal, Grimaldo 6.5, Charity 5.4, Tarap puts in a man of the match performance with a 7.71 goal. Um, I'll, I'll bring up his personal stats in a moment. One goal, Weigel 4.6 despite the, the great passing uh, stat he pulled out. He also 
in addition to making very little mistakes, does a great job with cover there in that middle corridor. And again, to give you a little bit of a spoiler, it was something definitely missing earlier today in the Fumbly Comb match. Uh, him not being there in that middle corridor to shut things down. Uh, there was a lot of space for Fumbly Comb to run at pace at Benfica's back line. BZ had a 5.4. Rafa with a maybe his lowest rating of, of to date that I can remember, a 4.0. Carlos Vinicius, 6.4 off the bench. Chiquinho earning a 5.9 with a goal. Gabriel and Seferovic uh, not on the pitch long enough to earn a rating. Statistics, Benfica, 12 shots. Tubalin, it's 14 shots on goal. Benfica, 6-5 to five with that edge. Shots from inside the area, Benfica, 8. Bolin, Sad 9. Total passes, Benfica, 486. Bolinish saw 390 for an efficiency of 82.5% for Benfica to 79.7% for Code City. Vertical passes, Benfica with a significant advantage there with 64.1% efficiency on the vertical pass to 58.6%. Benfica with 55% ball possession, 245. Benfica was offside once, Bissad 2. Fouls committed, Befica 8, Belenish Saad 12. Uh, duels won, Befica winning that very important statistic again. 48 duels won to 42. Befica with 10 corners to Belenish's 8. And crosses again, Belenish Saad, um, or I should say again, Befica loses this battle as I think teams really try to plan for long crosses against us. They like to bring the ball up. They get into our attacking half. If it gets on one of the outside backs, they're whipping a long cross diagonally into our box. As Bolinis Saad with 14, Befica with 10. I'll go over just a little bit here of Tarap's man of the match statistics here. Obviously with a goal. He had two shots, one of them on goal. Um, he broke up a pass. He had he was 2 for 2 inefficient Uh Dribbles, or I should say, his efficiency, his dribble efficiency, was was one hundred percent. As he attempted two dribbles and beat his man twice, both times, three steals, and uh, he had a blocked shot, and he had he recovered possession eight times. His heat map is red hot in the middle of the pitch, right in front of Weigel. So now we will go to the standings really quickly. So we have Benfica top of the table, as you know by now. 54 points, 18 wins, 1 defeat, 47 goals for 8 goals allowed for a goal difference of 39. Porto 7 back with 47. Braga are third. They beat Sporting last week, and as Ruben Amburin makes it 7 straight wins uh, as a manager. He's 7 wins, 0 losses, 0 draws. So far as manager of Braga. And to think he doesn't even have a coaching license. And not to get into this. But that really sums up also my views on these coaching licenses. I think these things are rip-offs. These are things that federations use to make money off of people. It's one thing for these professional coaches. But you know, Ruben Amorim last season as an assistant at Casa Pia was fined and suspended for giving instructions because he didn't have a high enough license. If a club, a private club, okay, with with members who make its decisions, who authorize a board to make its decisions, decide to hire a manager, it should not matter whether or not he has a quote-unquote license. This is ridiculous. This is something that's even worse here in the United States. I've been outspoken about this in the past, about the this need for licenses and Really, it's a political game, and good for Ruben Amorim for doing this and for for uh, showing that, you know, you don't learn how to coach in a book. I'm sorry. You just don't learn how to manage from a book. Uh, you learn theory in book. You don't learn practice from books, and I think Ruben Amorim is doing a phenomenal job, and I'm very, very concerned, actually, not just with the match with Porto coming up on the weekend, but the following weekend against Braga. Very, very concerned about these next two league matches in addition to this semifinal uh, tie with Fumalicão. 
Um, and Bra so Braga, third place, 33 points now. Sporting Clube de Lisboa. I'm not going to call them Sporting Clube de Portugal because there's one Sporting right now that's that's um, <laughs> representing Portugal or one Sporting that's that deserves to to be that deserves the Sporting name. It's Braga. It's not Lisboa. So Sporting Lisboa, they're fourth. They're 22 points behind us with 32 points. 10, 10 victories, 2 draws, and an astounding 7 defeats. Family Cone are also on 32 points. They're 5th. They've got 9 victories, 5 draws, 5 defeats. have 3 back from them with 29. 7th is Vitória Guimarães, 25 points. Bovista Bovista, Vitoria Stubal also on 25 points in 8th and 9th respectively. Tundela's 10th with 23. Santa Clara also on 23 is 11th. One goal separates 10th and 11th. Gil Vicente is 12th with 22. Morirense 13th with 21. Maritimo 14th with 20. And then Petit and his Bolognese Sad that we saw in this match. They're 15th with 18 points. They're 4 points Clear of the drop zone right now. Passos Ferreira um, in 16th with 16 points. Portimonense now in the relegation zone. They're 17th on 14 points. And just 2 points behind them now. And just 4 points from possible safety is Nuno Mantas Desportivo des Aves. Alright, let's go to the league now. And let's look at the leading goal scorers real quick. And the top scorers right now in the Liga Nage, as I pull up on Fop Mob here. All right, the top scorer is Benfica's Carlos Vinicius with 12 goals. PZ also on 12 goals. Carlos Vinicius has the tiebreaker as he has zero penalty goals. PZ with three penalty goals. Braga's Paulinho is now third with nine goals. Sandro Lima and Bruno Fernandes have eight in fourth and fifth. Bruno Fernandes, of course, now a member of Manchester United, no longer in the league. He is not going to threaten for the scoring title this year. And Fumley Cones, Anderson Silva leads a group of six players with seven goals. And in, assi in assists, PZ is still the assist king. He's got eight. He is ahead of Bruno Fernandes, who uh, we just mentioned is now a member of Manchester United. Um, Tecatito Corona just won back also with seven. Grimaldo has six. Alex Telles has six. Um, Meharad Mohamadi of Avj and Musa Marega of Porto with five each. So the next fixtures in the league going to this coming weekend, all right? Starting on Friday, February the 7th, we've got Passos Ferreira hosting Boavista. Saturday, February the 8th, Bulanes Sad hosting Santa Clara. Fumlicão hosting Vitória Guimarães in a local derby for them. Braga hosting Gil Vicente and then the big one. Uh, later in that afternoon, 8.30 p.m. local time, 3.30 p.m. here in the east coast of the United States, 12.30 p.m. Pacific. Football Club do Porto hosts Benfica. That's in round 20, of course. And then closing out the round on Sunday, Morirense home to Vitoria Stubal. Tondela hosts Maritimo. Sporting Lisboa hosts Portimonense. And Desportivo de Zaves hosts Rio Ave. All right, uh, thank you for hanging with me through this very, very abbreviated episode of Mr. Benfica. We've got the Classico coming up this weekend, and then um, I'm hoping to do a review of that on Sunday, get it out Sunday night for you guys. Um, there's no Super Bowl this week to take me uh, away from it either, I meant, meant to mention. Uh, congratulations to any fans out there of the Kansas City Chiefs of the National Football League, American football, here in the United States. Last week's Super Bowl, um, the Kansas City Chiefs winning their first Super Bowl in 50 years. Congratulations. Uh, on a personal note, anytime I see a stadium with red and white fans uh, celebrating, I can't help but to feel happy seeing such a thing. Um, so hopefully Sunday we'll get episode 51, a review of the Porto match. And then 
the following weekend I will review the two Taça de Portugal matches, the two Portuguese Cup semifinal legs. All right, the first leg was played today. Like I said, Benfica took the first leg three to two. Porto drew one one with Academic Viseu on the road in their first leg. Porto fielding eight uh, eight second choice players, so definitely resting players for the Clásico uh, this coming Saturday. All right, again. Like I said, thank you for hanging with me here. Sorry about the delay. Sorry about going away for a little bit there, going going dark, if you will. But um, that's really where we stand right now. Like I said, Benfica's got a crowded schedule, a loaded calendar here in the month of February. And um, I'm going to try to keep these episodes going, try to not let matches pile up. But um, what I'm going to uh, plan to do and try to do here is... The match is with Fumlicão, the two semifinal uh, first leg. Second leg of the Portuguese Cup put them put a review in one episode of the two matches. Keep the league matches with their own episodes. And then when we get there to the Europa League with Shakhtar Donetsk, take those two matches also and make one episode to review the two of them. All right, this has been Mr. Benfica reminding you again to follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. On Instagram at Mr. Benfica and on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. And this Thursday to Friday, check out Mr. Benfica.com for a written preview of Benfica versus or Benfica at Porto, Porto Benfica this coming weekend. All right, I've been trying to get some studying in on the opposition. I'll talk some about probably what worked for Porto in the reverse fixture earlier this season. And what Porto, what Benfica, in my opinion, need to do when they go into Porto on Saturday. All right, this has been Mr. Benfica. I've been your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho. Um, of course, part here of the PTB Soccer Network, the Parking the Bus Soccer Network, where more programming will be coming uh, your way in the coming months um, from the Parking the Bus Soccer Network as I continue to try to get this thing off the ground. I just got to work less and podcast more um, or maybe sleep less. Maybe I just, if I could just stop sleeping, I think I could put out some really good programming for all of you. But thank you again. And I'll talk to you in episode 51. This has been 50 episodes already. Hard to believe. Um, but we're right where we should be as episode one was, was one year ago. Uh, one year ago next week, so uh, episode 52 should hit right around the one-year mark of the podcast. So despite some, some, some gaps in, in programming, we have managed to do this on average once a week, and I am proud of that as... Um, that's something I definitely underestimated when I started this off. But thank you for those of you who have been here from from day one. And, of course, thank you to everyone who's jumped on board ever since. And uh, hopefully this is the beginning of many, many, uh, many, many groups of 50 episodes. Um, thank you for the past 50 episodes. And uh, I vow to continue to improve this, this show. Um, vow to continue to improve the quality. You're hearing me on a portable mic tonight, so the sound quality is not what it normally is, um, at least in my opinion. So I do apologize for that, but when time is short, I am grateful that I have the ability to take a portable uh, clip-on mic with me to work and be able to record in the car while I am commuting to and from my various, uh, or I should say from my two jobs, as, um, yeah, we're getting, we're... We're getting there, and hopefully um, time will <laughs> will be good to me, and hopefully it'll free up a little bit more as we move forward into the spring here. But um, we will talk to you again in episode 51, of course, so we'll talk about the Clásico against Futebol Clube Porto, hoping for all the best. Força Benfica, carrega Benfica, let's do this pelo Benfica, because we are Benfica, damo 38. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>